Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Look at here. It's a Calgary Flames game day. Colorado in town. Boy, I'm, I say it a lot, but get your helmet on. Because you're going to need it today. Could be a real doozy at the Dome. You mean it. Not that I don't mean it all, but especially today. Can't go Craig McTavish, no helmet tonight. Come on. Flames talk at four. Warm up six. Puck drop seven. Let's go. Full day of Flames hockey here on Sportsnet 960. Our NHL insider is uh, coming up a little bit later on this hour. Frank Saravalli going to join us from Florida. But uh, pleased to be joined, as always, on a Tuesday morning by Stephen Brunt. And uh, it's good to talk to you. Good to have you. And um, I think probably the, where I want to start more than anything else, and I've been thinking about this for the, for the last couple of days, at least the last 24 hours or so, I was just wondering, on a personal level for you, with everything that we've seen in the last uh, day or so, when is the last time that you have slapped or been slapped by another grown man? <laughs> mm. Oh my, never, not once, not once in my whole life. Because I know I'm you've, not, I haven't had, yeah. you've traveled Go plenty, ahead. you've seen tons of people and all of that, and I, if if I was gonna guess, I'd think maybe you straightened somebody out, mm. you know, at, at an airport That's... or a parking garage, maybe somebody just you know was talking when they should have been listening, and then you came. Someone a... didn't tip their server appropriately. Yeah, figure it Excuse out. Excuse me. Just back, just stood up and gave him a big smack. Yeah. No, it's um, no, it's it, it may have occurred to me, you know, perhaps, and had, may, may have had dark thoughts at some points, but no, it. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to disappoint you. Okay. <laughs> How about you? Uh, uh, it's been a while, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it's probably been a while. I mean, it's happened, but, uh. it's, but it's probably been a while. No, I, and, and the other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, I saw you at uh, the BMO Field there the other day, the big match for Canada yes. and uh, a historic day. And, again, of all the things that came across my mind to ask you about was your Sportsnet jacket. What's it like for Sportsnet to know you exist? Mm. Well, isn't that isn't that something to have a, a coat? Yeah, it's like, like the Sportsnet has done many things for me in the uh, yeah uh, ten plus years that I have uh, since I came over from the new, like I get I got to tell you something newspaper business they don't give you coats really, really? They don't yeah. give you anything. Yeah. no so when no. they put you on we camera to, hmm. all right yeah they I remember we went to the we used to go when we went to the Olympics the Globe Globe and Mail like you, you, you used to take like pins and things to give to people right the 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 the, the grateful people in foreign lands who would be very excited to get a pin from you right and uh but the globe didn't even they wouldn't even give pin i remember one year they gave us plastic rulers to give to people like in in spain that's an interesting plastic choice. rulers yeah. here you are people be grateful well that Here's great a plastic ruler, ruler yeah that big ruler shortage of the 70s <laughs> yeah. yeah that's pretty so so item. in relative yeah so in relative terms get in the parka man i'm telling you yeah. it's great it's the it's it's, it's fantastic and it's um, it's it's been some cold places with me standing outside. So yeah. that, although I'm not sure how many were colder than than Sunday afternoon, that was really cold. Yeah, kind of. It was breezy. Yeah, it was hadn't really thought about that. Certainly January, February, we've talked plenty about playing playing footy in cold weather and what it was going to do for these uh, visiting nations. Didn't think it was going to be this game necessarily, but I guess just on a because we've talked about it yesterday. We had uh, some people on for you. On a just a, a fan level, because that's the that's the neat thing where kind of your your work and then your your joy, your your fandom would intersect. 
What was that like on on the weekend where it just felt right as much as it oh, should have won? It didn't need to pull, didn't need this game to matter, but it was great that it did matter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic, you know. Um, and and the fan thing, you know, if you do this, if you cover sports for a living, and I this, this kind of dawned on me a long time ago when I when I first started covering sports, and I you know I came over from news, and you know I wasn't. I didn't start out as a sports reporter, but I was always a sports fan, like everybody's a sports fan. wasn't But it wasn't my goal in life to be a sports writer. It just sort of happened. Um, and I realized, you know, after I started doing it for a while, that you know, you, the, the fan party just starts to slip away, right? Because you know, no cheering in the press box, right? You don't have. You're supposed to be neutral to a to a degree. I was a columnist, so I could have an opinion, but you're not supposed to be. And you, and you know, they kind of sneer at the fans from the post uh, press box. Like, hey, you know, I hate to say it, but it's true, right? It's like, well, that's a fan thing, right? Well, that's the fans talking. You know, we're we're way more analytical and and detached from this and we we our opinions come from a different place, not from kind of goofy fandom. Um and, but it occurred to me that if you know, if you lose that completely, like what's the point? You know, like what like what why we we're not covering something that matters here. Uh, this is not you know, this is not uh, government, or um, this is not the, the economy. This is this is a distraction. So you know, but at the core of it is that you know the attachment people have to sport, the the, the passion people feel for it, and the you know the kind of communities that build around sport. And it, I thought, you know, if yeah, like I'm I'm not gonna I'm, I'm gonna try and keep some of that somewhere. You know, like it's not I'm not gonna jump up and down in the press box, but I'm I'm gonna try and bury that somewhere inside me so that if I need it. You know, I can pull it out, and then I and I can still enjoy this rather than just act like I'm, you know, going down in a coal mine um, to work. And uh, it's, you know, it's I I think I've managed to to you know it doesn't come out all the time, and it's not for everything. But on Sunday, yeah, it was it I was giddy, you know. And you kind of I think you could see it. Not it wasn't just me. I was going to say you're in good, you're in good with. company. There were tears. Well, you know, Craig, was, yeah, everything. yeah. Craig Forrest is bawling his eyes out and making pot jokes on air. And uh, you know, Sharman, you know, James Sharman, who I love, you know, guy who lives and dies with the sport, um, was it was so excited. You know, Rash Madani, who was in Honduras when Canada lost eight one in San Pedro Sula. Um, you know, so with all these people who, and and you know, we stood. We we had a we could have kind of cowered in the back of the press box where it was warm, but you know, we all kind of stood out on this you know, up to really at the top of the stands outdoors and watch that game to kind of soak up the sound and the feeling. And, you know, it was bloody cold. But, you know, you just wanted to, you know, dive into the middle of those flags. And, like, I, I look, flag waving sometimes is a bad thing. You know, you may have seen that recently. Um, and in the world sometimes it's a bad thing. But, you know, there was a kind of purity to that afternoon. Um and you know you can. That's one of the things, right? You can if you can't cheer unreservedly for your country, then what's you know maybe you should move. I don't know. Um, yeah, it felt it felt really it felt really good and really fun. And plus, there was no tension, right? Like you knew they hadn't officially clinched, but they'd clinched. Mm -hmm. And you know it, it was pretty clear that that I felt for those guys on the Jamaican team. They had nothing to play for. They were not fully committed to it. They had a you know wind blowing, a cold wind blowing in their faces at forty miles an hour. <laughs> They wanted to go home, you know. They just wanted out of there. So they, you know, Canada could have won ten nothing. Um, so there's no no tension. The Canadian guys were having fun. They were, you know, everybody wanted to get on the score sheet. The crowd was crazy and enthusiastic. And I've been, you know, like a bunch of us were talking about this. Like I remember Canada playing Jamaica in a friendly at the old Varsity Stadium in Toronto, 
and everybody in the stands was cheering for Jamaica. <laughs> like, there was nobody. There was almost no. There's like one little pocket of the Voyagers, you know, the hardcore supporters. But everybody in the stands was cheering for Jamaica. And that's the way it was for years and years and years. So to be there, you know, on Sunday, and yeah, yes, look, I, I think throw open the doors, the bandwagon, fill the bandwagon up. I don't care. You know, it's great for the people who've been following this team with no real reward for years and years and years, but everybody wants to follow them now, and that's great. It's 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 a positive. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I thought it was – yeah, well, I, I'm not sure how many things I've enjoyed more, you know, to be honest. Like, there's – I've talked about Vancouver Whistler 2010 a bunch. That was great. There's been other things certainly in my life that really – you know, where I was really moved at a sporting event or really excited to be there just to say, holy smokes, I – you know, I saw Usain Bolt cross the finish line. Wow. But, uh, you know, from a kind of a gut level and a heart level, that might have been right near the top. And see, I, sorry, I, I wanted to let you in, right? I, I felt like I could feel it just by watching you guys interact with each other. And I really feel like that says something. Now, I guess it, it's individual. That's your experience. But for the events you've been to, because you've been to many major sporting events globally, for that to be mm-hmm. at or near the top, is is a pretty amazing. I mean, Peter Labardius does our color commentary. Oilers Flames. They would have wrapped up at about eleven o'clock on Saturday night. He was there. He got on a plane and flew there to be part of that. It truly is one of those "where were you when" kind of moments. Now I don't know that they're going to win the next tournament they're a part of, but for for this, it was a major accomplishment. It speaks oh, to God. just just qualifying means more than some of the national victories that you've seen. Oh, it does. You know, look, no, that's, that's it, it. Absolutely does. And look, I've been really lucky. I've seen, I've seen everything. You know, probably like you name a sporting event, I've been there, at least once, and somebody else paid for it. So, look, I've been really lucky, and uh, and I don't, I don't take that for granted. But you know, sometimes there's a, it's not just that, right? It's not just oh wow, I'm at the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, at the Kentucky Derby or the Indy 500 or something. It's this was, yeah, this had this had le- levels and layers. You know, my sons were there. Like I was so happy they were there, um, because you know, long after I'm gone, they'll remember that they were there, and uh, and they were frozen. Right, they were sitting right down with the Voyagers in the corner there. They, I, I can't believe they sat through it. Um, but yeah, it's it's you, these are some of these things are kind of markers in your life, and it's you know, and I know it's just a soccer game, but uh, you know, but emotionally it was more than a soccer game, and uh, and it was I. I've I've got a soft spot for John Herdman. I think he's an amazing guy. I followed very closely and covered what he did with that women's team, you know, who were just broken after the 2011 World Cup when he took over and came back. And a year later, they're on the podium in London. Like I, you know, he's like I I'm I'm really skeptical of motivational speakers and those kind of folks. You know, the Tony Robbins of the world. But like it, I, John Herdman could talk me into anything. Like I I would give him money and do whatever he said. You know. <laughs> um, He's done it all, you know. He's and he bought. He got all these guys to buy in. Like they're they're these they're guys are some of them make enormous amounts of money playing for club teams, right? They fly in from you know Tiba Hutchison and Kyle Aaron guys are flying in from Turkey mm-hmm. for a week to play in the cold. It's 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 a it's a really tricky job trying to pull that team together. And you can't argue. You know, we like we throw the whole thing about culture in sports, team culture. Well, look at those. You cannot argue about what he they've achieved there in terms of a team culture like then no one thought they were going to qualify like, nobody they did but you know i kind of i hope that they would distinguish themselves and maybe make progress and then we could look ahead to 2026 
But you know, anybody who says, boy, I knew right from the beginning they were going to qualify is lying. No, there's so, nervous games against yeah. Haiti. There's a home and home with Haiti. You're like, oh, boy, yeah. this could be tough. So, you know, it, like it's a great thing that sometimes magic happens, isn't it? Like in, in, the, in the world, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that kind of works against that um, and you know, works against you know, believing in magic. So I, I, I'm always happy when a little bit of magic pops up. And so now in the first time in, in many people listening's life, um, as grown adults or even just being on Earth, we get to see how this country will react to the World Cup. Because we're used to watching you don the colors of your grandparents or join your neighbors or go to a community to celebrate with them in a portion of a city that's cheering for a country. Or, heck, I visited this place. I haven't been to that place. I'm going to cheer for them. This is an entirely new experience. I'd, and I have no idea what it's going to be like. You know, like I, um, uh, the World Cup is, you know, is the biggest sporting event in the world. You know, I know just everybody knows that, but it is. It's bigger than the Olympics. It's bigger than the Super Bowl. It's bigger than anything. It's the you know, it, it is the, the the great global event. And I've been lucky to have been to a bunch of them, and watched people from all over the world show up to support their team and their country. And you know, and I've and I've been kind of embedded with them at times, traveling. Right, you know, I've been in like a bus full of Chileans or a train full of Scottish fans or whatever, like. You know, you kind of, you, you've just kind of, and you want to be part of it. Like, I, I kind of, I, you know, like I wished, I wished I had that kind of rooting interest. You know, I, I wished I was in a bus full of Canadians. It would have been awesome because it is, it is cool. And it's like a counter is going to be weird, you know, for a whole bunch of reasons. But there, there is something about that kind of, you know, where all these people from all over the world show up and, you know, sometimes your team's gone in three games and you go home, but there, boy, there is a level of emotion and passion that goes with it. It's. It, I, yeah, I look. It's corporate, and FIFA is evil, and all of that stuff. But it, it doesn't feel as prefab as a lot of the stuff we follow. You know, it doesn't feel kind of stage managed in the same way. So I don't know what Canada's like with a Canadian team in a World Cup. I you know I think it's going to be. I think the numbers, you know, all the measurables are going to be insane. Like, you know, we had like that, that two almost two million people watched that game on Sunday afternoon, and uh, you know, like, and that's not the big stage. Wait for the big stage. And I, it's 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 going to be a, you know in the conversation in a way that it's never been before, and you know what they, the way this team plays, I don't know we'll see the draw on Friday, but you know if they, if they would have to walk into a stadium and play you know Brazil or, um, you know Portugal if Portugal beats North Macedonia or England or what they're not gonna you know they're gonna try and win, like they're not gonna go in and try not to lose. That's not that is not in their DNA. So, and you know and it might mean they get shelled in one of those games, but. I, I love I love the way they play. Um, the personalities on the team are really, really you know they're 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 a really attractive bunch, right? It's hard not to like them. And uh, yeah, I, I look, I, I think it's going to be like nothing I've seen in my life. That's what I think the World Cup is going to be like in November. Uh, one more against Panama, just real quick. Do you yeah. see the young guys in there, or what do you think? Well, it's because they're still got pot three, but there's nothing less to gain in, in Concacaf, so to speak. I don't know. Like, w- I wonder how he approaches it. Well, I don't know. John's played this thing to win, right? Like, his like the whole thing was like, we're going to finish first, you know. And there, you know, there's a goal differential. They could finish tied for first, but there'd be a goal differential. Like, they'd probably still finish first even if they lose. Mm-hmm. The 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 pot three thing is, you know, that's that's a that's a conversation for Christian Jack, who seems to have spent his life figuring that out. God love him. But it's all about FIFA rankings, so it's not. You know, winning CONCACAF doesn't get you the better draw automatically. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff out of their control. Um, and, uh, you know, they have – there will be – they will play some young guys for sure. You know, I think like Ismail Kone, the kid who made his debut um, in Costa Rica, I think we'll see him again. But it's not like they have a whole other team ready to go. 
So I think, you know, mostly it'll be in Panama's got nothing to play for it. You know, it'd probably be a bit of a dud to be honest, but you know, my guess is, you know, again, you know, like they were down to 10 men in the second half in Costa Rica and John sent him out there and said, we're going to win the game. Like that's, that's <laughs> just his nature. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm guessing they go out there and try and, you know, try play Panama off the pitch. Before I let you go, one of the other things in your notes that you said across this morning, I think, it, I, I mean, I know for me, and we're a long ways away from it, but was stunned to hear about the passing of Eugene Melnick, uh, 62 years of age. I, and it wasn't, again, until you you, you kind of read after the fact, forgot about that he had the uh, the organ transplant and mm-hmm. all of that sort of thing. And I just, the last I remember hearing was he was you know, very outspoken. He was going to be playing the Ukraine the Ukrainian national anthem because of his heritage in that. And... Uh, man kind of stunning shocking sad news yesterday yeah it really is you know he was yeah he was on death's doorstep just a few years ago before he got the transplant I remember it went public that he needed to try and find it like kind of against his wishes the, you know, the family finally went public and said look we need to find a match and a donor for him or he's going to die and they miraculously they did um so i yeah i don't think anybody really knew that this was coming except for his you know intimates um you know a, a, a huge character like um when I was working with McCowan, you know, he used to come on the radio. The only show he would do, he wouldn't yeah, even go yeah. on with the Ottawa guys half the time, but he would come on from his bar down in this bar he hung out down in Barbados, his winter home, and would often say things that, you know, upset people, probably because he was at his bar in Barbados. He was a legendary uh, guest for you guys, right? Like, that was... Uh, oh, he was, f- he was fantastic, because yeah. you never knew what he was going to say, and it was almost like, you know, he was, you know, that he was, like, they, they were pumping truth serum into him, right? Like, he, he couldn't <laughs> lie. Uh you know, not you know, not without controversy in Ottawa as an owner. Like the you know, remember the fans put remember they put the billboards up saying demanding that he sell the team after they did that thing at the, when they hosted the All Star game and you know said she put a gun to the fans' heads in the middle of their All Star celebration. Said if you don't buy tickets, I'm going to move the team, which is you know, no, never a good marketing position. Uh, hard guy to work for. Uh, he went through a lot of executives, ran the team, you know, pretty on the cheap. Uh, but he was the savior after Rod Bryden went bust. And, you know, the whole history of ownership in Ottawa is about guys going bust. You know, Gene didn't go bust. But um, I'll tell you what, he got to a Stanley Cup final. Um, looking around at the other Canadian teams, there anybody else go to a Stanley Cup final recently? <laughs> so, uh, you know, like with the Habs in the weird year last year, but in the normal NHL, we tend to forget that. You know, I, I think it was the most forgettable NHL, the Stanley Cup final in history, but they got there. So he did have some success on the ice and you know you could argue that they they're building towards something they tore it right down to the wood and they're building something now now they also you know don't they didn't spend money and the whole arena the canada the arena in canada is often half empty and they say he's you know the reason they didn't get a new arena deal yet is because nobody would work with him so yeah it's uh, he saved the team he's been a bit he was a bit problematic he's a huge character um and I think he was a fan. You know, we just were talking about fans. Like, I think he was a fan. Like, I think he kind of had, he kind of acted like a fan sometimes, which, you know, maybe not what you always want in an owner, but I think he always kind of knew where his heart was in terms of the sense. And all of that you, that you bring up between the uh, the arena, a potential new arena, the team, which is, it's it's a Canadian team, and I'm sure that uh, Forbes magazine would tell you that it's worth X number of dollars, but it's not like when George Steinbrenner passes away right like this is it feels like the senators are never on all that solid ground very curious to see now what happens uh with the team what the family does and where it goes from here 
Yeah, I am too. Like you know, I guess Gene said in interviews that he had set it up so that you know the the team would remain with his family. But you know, like how often does that actually happen? It's like uh, you know, very often the heirs don't want to take that on and maybe want to, as they say in the accounting trade, surface some value uh, from the asset. So yeah, we'll see. Like I'm not sure. They, I I think look when Gene bought the team, I'm not sure there was another person to buy the team in Ottawa. And it, and it probably would have wound up somewhere else. You, I, I, you know, there may be somebody now because of the possibility of getting an arena built, who might, you know, be willing to do it. Um, but yeah, I guess we, we'll we'll find out. They, they, you know, look, whoever they are, I'm sure they will be more, you know, more polished and less controversial and uh, less public than he was. Take care of yourself. And take care of that Alrighty. jacket. Hey, are you going to spring training? What's what's the latest? Uh, yes, I'm going tomorrow. Oh. Just just found out. Like that's how we're oh. we're doing things a little uh, up. So I Friday I will. I'm only going for a few days. So oh. not for. But yes, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm going tomorrow, and I'm very 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 happy about that. So how did those good folks at the home plate? Would you? I uh, I will have a chicken salad sandwich and give them uh, your best. And pack those Sportsnet golf shirts, no qu- no doubt. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Thanks, Steve. Good to talk see, to you, buddy. See, see you, boys. There you go. He deserves to be there. He should be there. 100%. Well, get there. Get there now. Not weird. Not, not, I shouldn't say weird isn't the right word. Interesting to a, I mean, to a, to a degree that out of all the things that Steven has seen, championships, big wins, that just qualifying for the World Cup would sit that high on his, you know, almost bucket list, th- bucket list things that he's seen in his life. Yeah, he's prize fights, championship games, Olympic Olympics, games multiple World Cups. Yeah, but but it's because it was so such a preposterous idea. That's how bad this program was. They couldn't even get to the the hex, which is basically what we've just watched unfold in the last year. The the octagonal is what they're calling it now where the eight teams vie for three spots. They couldn't even get into that thing. Yeah. So in, in, even if you could get into that tournament, boy, you'd be a minnow in there. And then how in the world would you be able to get up into the neighborhood of the Americans and Mexicans and the stand? Like, they couldn't even get to this round of qualifying. And it's not like we didn't have talented players, but it was just – and then it changing yeah. head coaches, dysfunction in Soccer Canada, and – Meanwhile, this women's program under this guy that was coaching in New Zealand before he got to Canada is like, oh, look at this turnaround. Huh. Yeah, but the women's sport isn't as deep as the men's. It's going to be harder on the men's side. Well, look what he's done. They're not in. They steamrolled their entire continent they had to compete against. Yeah. Del, uh, Del Boca Boca. Bica Boca Vista. Frank Valley. We'll ask him about it. Uh, I texted with uh, our sources down in... Uh down in Florida at the GM meetings. I asked if there was some aqua size in the pool, some mm-hmm. scuba lessons in the pool later today. Scuba in the afternoon, yeah. Uh, apparently yeah. it's uh, team, uh, you know, the synchronized swimming. The team. Oh, yeah. Gonna, yeah. Team event. Apparently. Uh, it's hard to do that individual, the synchronized yeah. part. I Lou Lamarillo uh, looks uh, kind of comical with his uh, skull cap on and goggles. He's got the little pincher thing on his nose. Well, he's got it. He'd so hate funny. to get into earplugs, right. too. Big things. We'll see if Sarah Valley's got that kind of insight. So let's see if your sources are bringing that, uh, Frankie. Our NHL insider when we come back, Sportsnet 960, the fan. In the morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Calgary. 
Flames and Avalanche tonight. We've got it on your radio. We've got it at the Dome. The homestand continues. Flames coming off a 9-5 win Saturday. It's back-to-back wins in three of four. 5-1-1 one, one in their last seven at the Dome. The Avalanche had a dandy with Minnesota going back to Sunday. They lost in overtime. Will it be Dan Vladar for the third time versus Colorado? We'll find out probably this morning. We'll go through line combos and all of that a little bit later on. But right now, our NHL Insider brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across our city now is the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Frank, Sarah Valley, how are you, Frankie? How's the... uh, How's the sunshine down there in FLA? It is feeling pretty, pretty good. I can yeah. tell you that. Got you big. Mm. Hey, you got uh, got your big daily face off. Oh, we're gonna get. Now you're on the road. You're a big. You're a big deal, Frank. Don't let anybody tell you <laughs> different. Yeah, just my wife. That's all. No, you get down there, and <laughs> I know what it's like. You got the Draggers and the Elliots strutting around there like they're big. Yeah, don't let those guys. Uh, push you around don't let them peacock you yeah all good here all right very good so what is the what is it like at these gm meetings because i i notice they never hold them in kindersley saskatchewan it's always in some wonderful warm spot where the mood is uh, the mood is light and i think probably guys are a little bit easier to get along with even though the season is still on the guys are uptight they got a lot on the on the go but what's the mood down there this year depends on who you're talking to and it depends on sort of how their seasons unfolded. I would say uh, for someone who's never been to this before, um, what is it, what's it like for a reporter? It's, it's a lot of lurking is really the best way to describe it. Like they're in meetings all day and then you've got a bunch of us slobs here kind of not really, we don't really fit in here. First off, it's a little ritzy for us. And second, we're not in the meeting, so we're just kind of posted up in the hallway outside, just kind of sitting here waiting for it to be done and us to come in and get our scraps and crumbs of information of all the things that they're really not allowed to talk about anyway because there's more or less a gag order that's in place with these meetings, and, uh, and no one wants to be the person that speaks out of turn. So I would say the mood in general is you're, you're, you're pretty correct in that assessment that yeah. – it's a little bit on the lighter side because we're just on the other end of the trade deadline. And I think everyone, you know, especially the managers get a chance, they get a chance to take a deep breath. You know, this is the first time they've been together in two plus calendar years since the pandemic started. It kind of feels a little bit like old times um, to get everyone together again. And the wild thing is because it has been two plus calendar years, out of the 32 GMs in the room, more than a third of them have been changed out since. So 11 new faces, one new team. Um, and it's sort of been, you know, interesting to watch, um, you know, all of that unfold. So of the things, because I've not done the GM meetings, but I've been to an event or two where I know exactly you are. It's just you're sitting there, guys are on their phone you know, doing whatever they're uh, playing a game, some candy crusher, hammering candy crush. Yeah. And then uh, a GM or two starts walking out the door. So the camera guy gets oh, his light. Oh, oh, get the oh, tripod. We oh, got to go. Oh. And then you, you, you ask two or three questions to which you get no answers. And then they leave. And then you just sit down and do it all over again. So it is kind of a long day of doing nothing, but given that anything kind of tangible newsworthy wise that you got from yesterday. 
Well, the big topic of conversation yesterday, at least to start, uh, was the officiating, was the questions that were posed to Stephen Walcom, the director of officiating, and, you know, about a lot of different things that have unfolded this season. You remember heading into the year, oh, well, cross-checking is going to be a big focal point in the season, and it's more or less taken care of, of itself. I think the report to the managers on, on Monday was, hey, you know, players have adapted pretty quickly to the standard. We're not calling it as much as we thought we needed to because players have gotten the message. I think this year, probably more than any year that I can remember, it feels like officiating has been under fire. Um, you know, you saw the comments from Gabriel Landeskog, you know, earlier in the month. Um, you've seen numerous players speak out with their unhappiness with the officiating. I mean, I think it was in the same night Landeskog spoke out that, you know, Austin Matthews felt like there was a missed penalty call against him, a hold in overtime that helped um, the Arizona Coyotes win in Toronto. Like, it, it feels like it's just perked up more to the surface or, or um, you know, in terms of that being so public. And I think this was a reminder for all involved. First off, you know, the first thing Stephen Walkham does is admit, look, our guys are human. We make mistakes. Um, you know, don't think, though, that we're not reviewing every single call and that there's not a standard that our guys are being held for, held to. So I think that really kind of takes the temperature down when, when you have that conversation that's upfront and honest and you're able to ask questions and say, well, you know, what about this? What about this situation? What about this thing that seems to have popped up a lot? How can we find a way to fix this? And so those are the types of conversations that, that were unfolding on Monday. Can you tell us about um, the conversation around leaks or at least maybe get into more detail about uh, Chicago and Toronto? Maybe not uh, thrilled with the, the two Kyles had an interaction ahead of the deadline, I guess. Yeah, I think that was kind of an interesting moment as at least it was relayed to me on Monday was that I guess essentially just a few minutes into the first session on day one, Kyle Davidson, you know, perhaps the newest guy in the room, only installed at his post earlier in March on a permanent basis. Basically, the floor is seated to him, uh, and he's got his microphone there at his table, and he basically apologized to the group and wanted to set the record straight as, as to say, look, I understand that this came out it it didn't come from me directly uh i you know it's more or less embarrassing that this was the case and i you know basically a vow to the group hey i don't want anyone in here to think that i'm the guy leaking let's see if we can button things down as a whole group and make sure that something like that doesn't happen again so i think there's a trust factor that exists with managers and and frankly i talked about this before the deadline last week is that there are a number of managers that don't speak to other managers outside of their own little clique or their group that they're comfortable with because they're afraid of things like that happening, that they don't want parts of their conversations to be made public about who, which players they're talking about, what might be included in any potential deal. And there's a lot of hesitation for fear that, you know, part of what they're thinking or saying might end up getting out. So that was at least an interesting way to start it. You know, usually if you're new here, you know, five, eight, ten years ago, someone would have slapped you and said, you know, just do some listening instead of talking. A Glenn Saylor or someone would have just said, hey, 
pipe down over there, new guy. You know, we'll let you know when it's your time to talk. But yeah. for him to step up in the first 10 minutes, uh, I thought it was really interesting. Frank Saravelli is our NHL insider at the GM meetings. The uh, the salary cap and how it pertains and carries over to the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's been a lot of it. Uh, we may see it this year, depending on what happens with Vegas. If they get in, of course, Mark Stone, uh, not healthy now, probably would become playoff time. Tampa Bay did it a couple of years in a row. Stamkos one year, Kucherov another year. It seems easy, right? Just if there's a salary cap in the regular season, just make account for the playoffs. But it's ne- it's not really that simple. Uh, do you have an opinion on it? Or I guess, do you have a, an inkling as to how the discussion is going regarding that? Well, that's the big thing on the agenda today. And it's, I'd expect a pretty frank discussion between the league and the managers. And, and one of the real things that's intrigued me, even after writing the story last week about this being a topic of conversation was really the support or interest that seemed to exist, you know, between multiple managers that this was a thing. It wasn't just one or two guys thinking it's a problem. It's a third of the league or half the league thinking that this is an issue that needs to be taken care of, which to me, I was a little bit surprised to see the interest, you know, not many guys want to admit that that's an issue or, you know, just for fear out of, I guess, competitive issues, you know, we don't want, we don't want to let anyone know that, you know, this is getting to us or that we think someone else has an advantage. And, you know, I think the other part of it is the reality that's going to be setting in today for these managers and having that conversation with the league, because there's a lot to unpack to this. There's a lot of nuance that goes into it. I think teams want to retain the ability to replace their injured players without question. And I think the other part of it is no one is questioning the legitimacy of a lot of these injuries that, these are ones that pop up that, you know, Mark Stone is legitimately hurt, and you mentioned it. I think the Vegas Golden Knights are hopeful that he could be back in time for the playoffs, but there's no guarantee. Like, I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with his back and, and how do we get this guy back skating again because it's been rough. And, you know, I think they, I guess in some ways, bark back against any of the criticism that's been out there because they feel like they've done it by the book and they've followed all the rules. Um, I'm sure that that's not how everyone else sees it. The fact that they make a trade for Jack Eichel and they're basically $10 million over the cap. And oh, all of a sudden you have this guy that was playing the entire time during the trade. And then when you want to activate Eichel, it's suddenly not healthy enough to continue. I think some people have obviously cried foul of that. But, you know, Vegas, like Tampa, like everyone else would say, this is no loophole. This is exactly how the rules are written. And we're not breaking them. We're simply following them. Um, It it may seem like there's a simple fix to put in a a salary cap type requirement for the playoffs. But there's a lot that goes into it in terms of making that happen. And I think the NHL, as much as they may be interested in that, probably isn't interested in a direct bargaining session with the NHLPA, at which point they'd probably have to give something back in order to have this instituted because it is a material change to the CBA. And it's, it's an interesting thing because there's not many teams that would be able to do what Tampa Bay did. Now, did they do it on per? I, yeah, I guess they did, right? They knew what they were doing. Is it a, is it a loophole? Well, it's not even, a, it's, it's in the CBA, like you say, 
but you still need to be good enough to make the playoffs Without and have <laughs> and have an such an embarrassing wealth of talent that you're a playoff team without one of the best players on the planet. I don't have the answer, but I do feel like it shouldn't be that easy to just slide him back in. But if it were not for Tampa Bay, would we even be talking about this? Because how many teams can do what they did? Well, that's actually why the league didn't really feel like it was an issue last yeah. year, because how many times are we going to end up with a 56-game pandemic-shortened season where you can kind of time it out like that? I mean, probably never again, unless there's some kind of lockout or something that comes up. So they felt like in that one-off situation, like, let's not burn the whole thing down because of one kind of unique situation. And moving forward, you know, it, it theoretically is easy to say, hey, you know what, whatever team you ice in the playoffs, your lineup that night, that's the idea and proposal that was floated. Your group, we don't care who you add to your team throughout the year, that game for the playoffs, you need to have an $81.5 million roster on the ice. That seems like a fair compromise and an easy solution, but I think there's all sorts of permutations to the cap and how it works and, and, and just to put something like that in place that the league's like, you think it's easy, but there's a lot of wrinkles to this that none of you even understand, and that's actually the process that the league is explaining to the managers today. This is not as simple as it sounds. Speaking of Vegas, as you can imagine, we here in Calgary paying close attention to uh, to how they're doing. It's not been the year they would have expected. There's, despite all of that, injuries and everything else, they are still in a playoff spot today. As we uh, as we get into this, now things can change. What's what's your read on on how Vegas has worked all of this? So obviously, if you can get Jack Eichel, you go and get him. The uh, the flurry thing goes back a couple of years now, but. They they may get Mark Stone back, but they are going to have to fight a lot harder than Tampa Bay did to get in. Do you see the Golden Knights getting in there? They are getting a little bit more, a little bit healthier than they have been here in in the last little bit. But we got a lot of eyes here in the Western Conference on the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, as they should be, because you know it's funny with the Flames squaring off against the Avs. By the way, I love the sort of subtle uh, gamesmanship from Daryl Sutter heading into that, it, you know, we, we, we heard the talk a week or two ago about whoever plays the Colorado avalanche is going to be a waste of eight days. If it ends up being the Vegas golden Knights and it's a big, if, if they sneak into that second wild card spot and they're healthy, like that could actually be a real series because I think that team as constituted when they are healthy is probably as good as anyone out there in terms of, you know, being able to put it all together, but that's another big if, you know, you need Robin Leonard to be healthy. It seems like he is trending towards a return at some point. You know, I think the team is hopeful at some point next week. That's been an odd injury. Um, You know, you look at, you know, Stone and his back, will he ever be fully healthy this season? I think that's a big question mark. You know, getting Martinez back is a big deal. You know, they've got a lot of pieces of their puzzle to put together, but if they finally get it together, they could be a a tough out. So, you know, if, if I'm the abs, obviously they're not wasting a lot of time thinking about what may be, it's only going to matter what is, but that could be a fascinating series. Should Vegas get hot enough to sneak in and get healthy enough. 
Uh, the East, we know the eight teams. It feels like it feels like we've known them since ahead of Christmas, which is not so pretty rare. Uh, mm-hmm. There is the seeding in the Atlantic, which looks like a total mess. Two to four is separated by I think one point, if I'm looking correctly today. Mm-hmm. And then the chase in the West for the final uh, wild card is going to be an interesting one. Will it be five central teams or four and four from each division? Like, what's caught your eye, and who's sort of a team that you can't stop trying to dig on? What's going on with uh, with the races involved? Yeah, it's it's definitely the seeding in the Atlantic because the permutation and, and and what that means for the team that ends up finishing fourth or, you know, I guess no matter, the truth is no matter what happens, where you finish in that two, three, four spot, whether Boston ends up leapfrog, leapfrogging Tampa or Toronto with how well they've played over the last, you know, six weeks or so, you know, you're going to have a ridiculous first round matchup. It's going to be crazy to to see that unfold. Um, I think kind of the big thing is can also Florida hold on to that top spot, the top overall seed in the East, because that would theoretically get you a pretty decent first round matchup with Washington. But if they end up in a spot where the Rangers are finishing that sixth spot and you've got your teams in the Atlantic and it's Florida against I don't know, one of those three teams, it's that, that division, that, that bracket is, there's no easy series. And, you know, it kind of takes me back to, um, to the decision from Claude Giroux. And we, this is a topic of conversation that we were batting around our group uh, here at the GM meetings. Like we know that he chose Florida and that's the one destination that he wanted to go to. Given the gauntlet that exists in the East, was it was it a wise move? I mean, time will tell. That team looks loaded. Um, if they can get through, they have as good a chance as anyone. But it seems like the path, at least out of the West, if you're Colorado, for instance, is is a lot more clear cut than it would be coming from the East. And um, man, it's uh, that that first two rounds in the Atlantic is like appointment viewing. Battle of Florida, a little yeah, no Boston, kidding. Toronto, right into the scar tissue. That could let's be an unreal go. first round. Yeah, let's go. I'm, I, I don't, I don't know that Toronto wants it, but I think everybody else wants it, don't they? Yeah, and look, if you're going to overcome it, why not do it against the Slay the Dragon, That's as right. they say, right? Yeah, but you know what the treat is once you finally, like, let's say you're able to slay the dragon. Oh, hey, good, you get yeah. either the Florida Panthers or the 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 defending two time Stanley Cup champ. Tampa Bay Lightning in the second round. What a treat. Yeah, if you don't get him in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nightmare Ooh, there. We're still there, yeah. So, uh, what, beer pong this afternoon? What are we doing? Ooh. Oh, I haven't played beer pong in a long time. I'd be down for that, actually. Yeah, you should set it up. You're out. Beautiful little, uh, beautiful spot there. I'm sure they've got those uh, banquet tables. You can get that set up, get some uh, some cups, <laughs> and get her going. You could be maybe a little windy outside for some beer pong at the beach, though. Yeah, all Don't do in the lobby, then. Yeah, That's fine. Yeah, just right outside the doors of the <laughs> of the boardroom. They might take part. I already Who knows? out like a sore thumb. I, 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 I don't need any more. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, do your best to, f- to fit in there, Frankie. We appreciate you, buddy. Be good, all right? Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. You too. Frank Saravelli, our NHL insider, brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city have made now the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. We will uh, tight turn here, coming back. It is a game day. The Avalanche in town. The Avs can go for, man, is this true? They can hit the 100-point plateau with the win tonight. 100 points. They played 66 games. Decent. No, the Flames get the 90-point plateau.
which is also very good. Can we make it a four-point game, Gary? Can they both get there? Yeah, I think. It's going to be a good one tonight. Will it should be? Will it be Vladar once again? Will Will it matter? It yeah. They've gone it, to Vladar twice against Colorado. He's been exceptional. I, I didn't love him against uh, Washington a few weeks back, but the two games against Colorado, some of his best work. Seven o'clock, six o'clock warm up, four o'clock flames. It's this is uh, this is one of those days. This is one of those days where, when the team is struggling, and they're not, and maybe they're in, maybe they're out. There's some angst. You wish you were one of these teams that you're going to the playoffs, and this is a opponent you might have to face. The measuring stick. This is how do you stack up? You were dying for one of these games. You got the Battle of Alberta on a thriller two nights ago. You get the top team in the conference coming in tonight. Sportsnet 960, the fan.